You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious, or maybe we should say exciting, nail-biting. Um, uh, Kathy, you got any other adjectives you would like to give it? Yeah, hair-pulling, uh, nerve-wracking, <laughs> yes, fingernail-biting, yes, you got all of them. Episode right. of... Uh, episode pounding. <laughs> episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 105th episode recorded on Thursday, February 8th, 2024. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, here with my co-host, Kathy Amos. Today, we will be breaking down your number 14 slash 13 Indiana Hoosiers. As Kathy said, heart pounding, nail biting, hair pulling. Uh, whew, just glad to get out of there with a win. 94-91 victory over the Michigan State Spartans. That brings the Hoosiers record to 19-3 overall, 10-2 in the Big Ten, keeping them one game behind Ohio State and Iowa. And actually, at this point, they're actually a half game behind because both those teams are actually playing as we're recording this podcast. And tonight, we're going to start our show as we usually do with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And tonight's banner moment, I'm gonna I'm gonna give credit here to Seth Tao because he posted this on Twitter. So I'm gonna take it that he's got correct information. But with tonight's victory, Mackenzie Holmes passes Grace Burgers, the all-time winningest player in the history of the program. So congratulations to Mackenzie Holmes as she just keeps climbing up the ladder of career feats at Indiana University. And our banner moments brought to you by Homefield Apparel, presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. And if you haven't seen this, if you haven't been on social media, they're dropping some new IU stuff tomorrow at like 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 Central. So be ready for some new IU gear tomorrow morning from Homefield. You're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life. They're also dropping that school up north. I won't say their name, all right, that just loves great collegiate gear. Not only do you get quality apparel, but you're supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23, that's H-O-M-E-2-3, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And we're going to throw it over to Kathy for the Amos Hangle here. And let's get her initial thoughts about tonight's wild and woolly victory at Assembly, at Assembly Hall. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, my goodness. See if I can catch my breath. My goodness. I don't know how, how the women are going to be able to sleep tonight after that. They've got to have some kind of adrenaline going. So, you know, um, we, we said it in our, our preview of Michigan State. Don't overlook the Spartans, right? They went into Iowa. They went into Ohio State and took both of those teams down to the wire. It took a, a buzzer beater from Caitlin Clark to beat, beat them to beat Michigan state and Ohio state only beat them by five and was losing most of their game as well. And both of those were at Iowa and at Ohio state. So did I expect us to give up 91 points? No. Did I expect kind of a, a rock fight? Yes. So, you know, we kind of got what we expected here tonight and, you know, it was kind of a struggle that first half in particular. And, you know, at one point we were down 10, but, you know, our team came together, especially I thought in that fourth quarter, um, Yard and Garzone, Chloe Moore McNeil and um, Mackenzie Holmes, those three in particular, I thought really stepped up. Um, and, you know, Sarah was great. Um, Lexi was great. And they all played the roles in that fourth quarter in particular. And I thought our defense kind of ratcheted up a, a little bit more um, in that second half. Um especially in that third quarter where we only allowed 15 points um, from, from Michigan state. But, you know, that's, that's what we would expect from a fairly, you know, seasoned team. Um, you know, we have a lot of experience between McKenzie um, Holmes and um, Yarden, Yarn Grizzone is only her second year, but she played a lot of professional ball and we had Sarah Scalia in there and Chloe Moore McNeil. You expect this from a team that is seasoned, that they can come together at the right times and make the right plays and pull out the win when we needed it. And that's exactly what I think we got from our women tonight. 
Yeah, Kathy, let's stay with this a little bit about just kind of the overall view of the game. I mean, this was just two really good offenses. We talked about this in the preview the other day. These are two of the top 10 efficiency-wise, two of the top 10 offenses in the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, again, I, I still didn't think we'd put 91 points or give up 91 points rather on them, but, you know, you got to give a hat tip to Michigan state too. Maybe our defense wasn't where I expected it to be, but I thought they ran some really good motion and had some great offense. And we struggled to keep up with them. We had struggled, tr struggled to keep up with them when they were driving and we had tr struggled with them, you know, on the switches too. And, um, you know, um, um, is it Arold um, that you say? Arold, 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 Arold. Thank you. You know she she was on fire. She didn't miss it all in that first half either. And you got to give credit to Michigan State. They had the shots, yes, um, but they knocked them down too. And you don't always get that. You know, um, we'll talk about that. But they shot seventy percent from three point in that first half. Um, and you got to you got to give a hat to them all. Um, it would have been good to say it was just our defense lacking. That was part of it. But Michigan State, I thought, ran some really good action as well to get themselves the shots and to knock them down. Well, and the thing I noticed was that tonight, like last year, and I asked this in the Discord because Hageman just did it to us again tonight at times, but yeah. they were just going to put their head down and really drive. Yes, they had some nice actions going, but they just would put their head down. And then if we helped, you know, this really happened to Lily in the third quarter where she came to help. Well, she left somebody wide open for a three and they nailed it. And that was the thing. They just were making threes tonight. Not that they don't normally make a decent rate, but we're going to talk about the numbers. I want to save it for a little bit. We'll get into the noble mm -hmm. numbers. But I, you know, I jokingly was, you know, back, you know, or should say jokingly, but it's just, again, it's just too, we talked about this in the pregame or the preview. Um, I'm kind of getting my thoughts over there. I'm scatterbrained a little bit after watching the game that, <laughs> You know, I really felt yeah. a role. I really felt a role was a tough matchup because I'd watched yeah. her, especially in that Iowa game. I didn't see as much of the Ohio State game, but I'd seen her in that Iowa game hit some outside shots. And I just knew that's really not Max Forte. Max no. Forte isn't going out and defending on the outside. We tried. I, I even put this in the text, I think, or maybe it was in the Discord. Of course, I was in the wrong Discord for a while. So, you know, I had some. You know, <laughs> yeah. some, some but anyway. With Yarden, I, yeah. I, yeah, with Yarden. I'm not sure that I liked that matchup. But again, that's another one also where I think not having Sydney changes some of the matchups that you might do. But get, you got to give credit and give credit to, to, to Coach Fralick at Michigan State. She's come in there and really put a stamp on what she wants that team's identity to be. Um, and with that, so, you know, kudos to them. But again, heart pounding, you got out of there with a win and just chalk it up and move on because there, there are going to be nights like that. You just yeah. got to find a way to win. So let's move into the pivotal plays a little bit, Kathy. And and I want to start this one real quick before I let you kind of get deep into it. But, you know, we're not going to spend a ton of time, I think, in the first half. But I did mockingly say in the in, in our yes. chat, in, in the first team to 90 will win. You and, were right. And I was kind of being, you know, kind of sarcastic with that. But it actually was, you know, it turned out to be pretty true. And we were the first team to 90. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there were a lot of plays, I think, in that that first half we could definitely, um, you know, dwell on or, or talk about. But, you know, I, I noticed right away in that second quarter that Michigan State just really started driving the ball. And we just really had a tough, tough time, um, again, handling um, when they got a lot of steam and driving to the basket. And we saw that. Before, many times, as you mentioned, we saw it last year with um, Dee Dee Hageman, and she was doing it again to us tonight, you know, ended up with 19 points. So hat tip to her as well. Um, you know, if it wasn't us playing Michigan State, this would have been a, a lot more fun to watch. I was a lot more, <laughs> more nerve wracking than I wanted. But, um, you know, a couple of things that I kind of pointed, just maybe not so much pivotal plays, but kind of... Um, just kind of themes that we had I, I, from Michigan State. They did change up in, in, in their defense on us from time to time. So one thing I noted in the third quarter is they quit doubling Mac. Mm -hmm. And you could tell, you know, the first three possessions, we went down to Mac. Now she made, she missed one, but two out of the three times we went right down to where they didn't double and she, you know, made two of her three, but then they started doubling her again in the fourth quarter. Um, but it didn't seem to slow her down as much as I thought that it did in the first half. And so I thought while Michigan State made some adjustments on defense with McKenzie, she really um, fought back and especially and again, I'm sure we'll talk about um, both of these players together later in the numbers section and some of the other sections. But I thought 
Chloe and McKenzie tonight had a really good chemistry. You know, in the first half, McKenzie was getting the ball, getting doubled. Chloe was cutting and, you know, making some baskets. And then the second half, Chloe was doing, I thought, a really fantastic job of found, finding McKenzie down low. So, you know, um, as Coach Woodson calls it on the men's side, they were playing some good buddy ball together, I thought. So um, I enjoyed what I saw from them. And we saw that a couple of times. In fact, with a minute left, Chloe finds back for two. And that really helps, um, I thought, help us pull ahead there right towards the end of the game. Yeah, I'm going to jump into the third quarter here. And the time there, you know, we kind of were just kind of a little bit at a time. It seemed like every time there was a timeout, we were winning each segment by one point. So we were just kind of a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Then it got back, I think it was 63-60. And then Michigan State, if I remember right, hit a three to go back up six. That's right. And I was thinking this, and I'm thinking this is just the way the game's gone. Every time we start to kind of get close, they, they go back on their run. Well, at one minute exactly to go in the third quarter, the one thing I'll point here, Hannah Sandvik yeah. banks in a three. The <laughs> bank was open. <laughs> the bank's not only open, it's open late in Bloomington tonight. And but she banks in a three, cuts the lead to 66-33. And that's only her third career three. Kudos to Amanda Foster who put that on Twitter. And I stole it there, but so I'll give kudos to Amanda for putting it out there for me. Um, and then we come back down. And Yarden hits a three to get the tie for like the first time since the first quarter. It's tied. I mean, it's like, so that's the segment I really wanted to kind of get into in this before we get to the fourth quarter, just that stretch there. But again, I'm not sure you had it on the bingo card for Hannah Sandvik to bank <laughs> in a three. No, absolutely not. Kind of like what you said too, when Michigan State actually missed those two free throws in a row, the way they had been shooting all night, yeah. never would have thought they'd missed two in a row, but they sure did. So, or miss um, a couple of bunnies. Yeah. So um, moving on to the fourth quarter, then I guess. Um, yep. So I thought there was a, a point where I thought we were really going to turn the quarter. And that was with the seven minute mark left in the game. And Sarah Scalia drives for two and we finally get it tied back up again, 74, 74. And I wrote down, can we turn the corner? And before I even finished typing it, no, um, Ariel on the other end comes down and gets two points again. Um, you know, so again, kudos to her. She was, you know, averaging around 15 points per game. She ended up coming in tonight and put up 25 on us, nine of 11 shooting and five for six from three point land. So I thought that was just kind of felt like the theme through most of that third um, quarter into the fourth where get really, really close, but we just didn't seem to get quite over the hump. And I just kept wondering how that was going to be. But then not too long after that, Sarah Scalia came back down. Um, she hit the three-pointer and put us up 76-77. And to me, that was really the pivotal play. And I don't believe we we um, trailed again after that point. So No, I, I think it got tied at one point mm -hmm. after that, but I don't think we were ever yes. trailing, Kathy. Good point. Um I'm going to go to this mark, not long, right in that same second sequence. I mean, because at the 553 mark, Chloe Moore McNeil picked up her fourth foul. And at that point, I agreed with Coach Moore, and you couldn't take her out. I mean, first no. of all, you were making you a run. Trust your senior. And you yeah. got to trust your senior, and you get, you know, and, but you, but you're playing, you're rolling the dice there, you know, with that, because with the way they drive the ball, you could very easily gotten yourself in a situation, but again, coach Moore knowing her player, knowing and trusting Chloe to play, like you said, but I, I know some coaches would have been tempted to be like, oh, I'll see if I can buy a minute or two here and get her down to about the three, three and a half minute mark and then bring her back. But I just thought that they, you, 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 you were on a roll. You had been trailing most of the night. So I thought, so I thought that was pivotal from the standpoint that Chloe never did foul out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I had noted that down too as a very pivotal play. You know, earlier we had um, Ariel getting her third foul in the third quarter, but it didn't seem to bother them. But that fourth foul on Chloe could have been really huge. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about Chloe a little bit long later here. But um, one person I do want to talk about is uh, Yarden Garzone. So um, I've, I've come to start nickname her in my head, fourth quarter Garzone, um, <laughs> because it seems like she seems really quiet anymore especially in the first half of games she seems to start ramping up a little bit more in the third quarter and then by the fourth quarter it seems like she finally finds her groove and you know again she did it there tonight and with that 430 mark she hit just another huge three I thought to put us up 78 82 in that that realm and you know um Yarden I thought had a nice night ended up you know but so quiet in that first half but yet she ended up with 20 points and four of seven from three point land. And I think 
quite a few of those three outside the first one she hit in the first quarter. I think the other three she hit all came in that fourth quarter. Um, so I've kind of nicknamed her fourth quarter Garzone in my head because um, it just seems like that's when we seemed to really get the Yard and Garzone we're kind of expecting. So um, what are your overall thoughts on Yard? And I, again, I, I just feel like it's been taking her a while to get into the flow of the game. Can she be but am first, I missing that? Can she be first quarter Garzone? I would love to see like, or I, all four quarters Garzone. <laughs> Something. <laughs> I don't know. What, you know, and it's just like, there, there, there are players like that, that, that it just, for some reason, it takes a good chunk of the game for them to finally feel the flow. Whereas sometimes I think Sarah Scally is a really good example of the opposite. Sarah seems to come out really hunting and I'm not saying this yeah. in a bad way. Sarah comes out yeah. hunting shots and she's looking to get off to a quick start because I, I kind of put this with that. There were times I felt like I, I thought Sarah played well. I mean, we're going to talk about her mm -hmm. a ton, I'm sure. But there, there's just times where I feel like both of them kind of disappear. And I think part of that is two things. One with Yard, both with Yard and Sarah, but it's 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 that I, I think other teams do adjust a little bit trying to take away that three-point shooter. But I think it's also that the focus gets on dumping it. In, and this isn't bad. This, this is not a criticism. It's just that it's back to we get to like, hey, Let's play inside out. Well, if Mac's going to get single team, she's going to get a lot of opportunities inside. So you can get that where it just kind of disappears a little bit where it seems like that. But yeah, Yarden played great. I said, I said it, I think in the Discord or in the chat, excuse me, that basically about the last 13 minutes, Yarden played as well. She had all game. You know, up yeah. until then, up until then, she really had been kind of non-existent. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I, I don't have specific pivotal plays, but I did want to um, touch on Lexi. Um, I thought Lexi played a really nice game, especially in the first half. Um, you know, around like, for example, in that seven minute mark in the second quarter, uh, she had a wide open three. She didn't take it. She actually stepped in and took a two and, and nailed it. And then on the next possession, she went down and drove for two more and um, cutting the Michigan State lead at that point, 35 to 31. And then she almost had a, a steal on the other end. And so I thought Lexi just really played some high energy tonight, um, making some interesting um, some interesting shots too for us. And she ended up with 10 points. Now she got all 10 of those in the first half, but I think her second half, you know, instead... We didn't need her offense as much, and I think her defense was actually fairly good for us tonight too, but she ended up with six assists on the night as well. Um, so overall, I thought Lexi's play again was, was really good. The one thing that I think we're really missing having her in instead of Sydney are kind of twofold. Um, one, I think we're missing a rebounding, which seems, you know, kind of obvious to everyone, you know, she did end up, um, so she only had one rebound tonight. And obviously that's a big gap between what, um, Sydney usually gives us. Um, the second thing though, is you can see that teams know she's not really going to shoot it from deep like Sydney did. And you, you can see that in particular in the second half, there was a play, she got the ball and she was trying to get the ball down to Mac, um, low in the post and she couldn't do it because her defender was sagging off of her yep. because they knew she wasn't going to shoot. And when you have Sydney in there, not only do you have the rebounding, but you have yet another three point threat. And so I think that's when, you know, people are trying to compare and contrast between Sydney and Lexi. We have to remember they're, they're different positions, number one, and they're different players. You know, Lexi's going to be in there for defense and ball handling and um, kind of running more of the offense and taking that off of Chloe's shoulders where Sydney was in there for rebounding tough defense as well, but also for shooting the ball. And so I, you know, we don't need to make a, a apples to apples comparison here, um, even though she did technically take that spot. But it's, they're very different players. And I think those are some of the things you kind of miss um, without Sydney in there. Yeah, I'm going to go in a different direction here. And I'm going to talk about the timeouts that Coach Morin took. Now, there's yeah. a negative that as well. Because she had to take timeouts because they because players got stuck with the ball in traps, corners, whatever, you, however you want to phrase it. The one was after they got across half court, and it was Chloe who dribbles basically right into the corner and dribble and picks it up. And we had to take a timeout there. Lexi did the yep. same thing in the backcourt. And then we yep. came out of the timeout. And I think we only had four seconds on the on the, to get it across half court. And Lexi airmailed it, uh, trying to throw it up yeah. the sideline. But those timeouts were crucial, though, because you were trying to make sure that you didn't throw the ball away and, and keep possession. And the one with Chloe actually worked out. We came out of that and scored. But it burned timeouts to the point where we really were at the end of the game, where if we'd in a different scenario, maybe where it's tied or we're down one, 
we might have been wanting wishing we had those timeouts. So those, but those are pivotal plays because at the time, and I know people will come back and be like, well, you should have saved. Now you also got to save the possession in a game like that. You have to save a possession rather than just simply giving a turnover up on a five second count or a steal or whatever. So I, 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 I kudos to coach Moore, but you could tell she was getting a little frustrated by having to take the timeouts because you, you know, you, you, you with that, but again, and that'll be something they cover in the film session. But it, but in the course of the game, I know exactly her mindset was got to yeah. save this possession. And, I, and kudos to her. Yeah, I, I I agree with it too. I, I know that wouldn't have been her her first choice to been able to take those two timeouts when there was kind of um, to save those twice that she had to save those possessions. But I think I agree with you. I think that was the right call. You don't want to have a turnover there either. And clearly, uh, Michigan State rather had ratcheted up their their cross again um and it was really rattling them there late in that fourth quarter and so i think they needed that the unfortunate thing is right after that timeout like you mentioned lexi immediately drived it over tripled over the sideline instead of trying to go down the middle and went to the sideline tried to throw it and it just ended up um, into a turnover anyway but um luckily it didn't um come back to bite us in the end so i'm not going to try and harp on it tonight but Nope. Middle of the press, middle of the press. I wish we could go to the middle more. But anyway, I will say this. The last thing I want to finish up pivotal play because they worked for us. But yes. after the way Michigan State had shot all night, the fact that they basically missed a couple bunnies at crunch time really helped, you know, because obviously, yeah. you know, you know, it, it, it made difference in time and score and scenario, you know, time and score scenario. But, you know, we kept saying in the discord, we kept saying in the chat, they, they'll, they're going to miss some shots. At some point, they got to miss some shots. You just at that point, you didn't think they were going to necessarily miss some, you know, some shots inside the lane. Yeah, especially that last one where Chloe, obviously with four fouls, she just pulled back from Dee Dee Hageman and is like, yep, you go right ahead. And I don't know if um, Dee Dee um, was like surprised by it or not, but she completely um, missed that layup. So thank you for for finally missing one late. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So you got any other pivotal plays you want to talk about? Nope, I think we hit them all. All right, let's move on to the noble numbers. And Kathy, since I'm hosting tonight, I'll let you uh, go first on the noble numbers here. I think we got several we can pick out. Yeah. Um, I Gosh, I don't even know where to start. They're, right. There are quite a few. So I think we'll start with the most obvious one here, which is the shooting. And to be honest, it was kind of shooting of both teams. You had just amazing shooting from three on both sides, to be honest, like 10 of 20 for Indiana at 50%. You take that any night. The unfortunate thing is that Michigan State was that much, uh, just a little bit better at 12 of 18 for 67%. And overall, the team shot 59% um, field goal percent for Michigan State and 67% for us. So I take that any day of the week for sure. Um, It's just, it it was, you could tell, like you mentioned, you were thinking first team to 90 and that turned out to be quite true. (laughs) But the shooting from both teams was just something, something to see tonight. Well, and that's the thing. You look at our numbers, 67% for the game, 50% for field. And we won by three. If you would have said before the game, we were going to shoot those kinds of numbers, you're thinking blowout. Blowout. But they shot, like you said, 59%, 67%. The one place where we were definitely better than them was at the free throw line. We were 88%. They were 72%. And they missed a couple free throws there down the stretch as well. So um, I'm going to go to another one. And that's points in the paint, Kathy. And that through the first half and maybe through the first three quarters, Indiana was trailing on points in the paint. And Indiana ends Mm -hmm. up plus four, 40 to 36 on points in the paint. And again, it's not a huge margin, but in a game that you only win by three, um, it, it definitely is a big thing because again, I thought they made a, a little better effort of, of, of really pounding it into Mac in the second half and Mac converted better. She didn't shoot it all that well in the first half, but down this in the, especially third quarter and down the stretch of the fourth quarter, Mac was going to make shots. And, and so that points in the paint, especially because there was a port, part there early in the game. I want to say we were down like minus eight, even, you know, something like that on points in the paint. Yeah, that's right. I know at halftime, I wrote it down, we were down 22 to 20. So it was fairly close. But um, yeah, we really needed to turn that around um, with our normal game plan. Um, one number I want to definitely highlight too is 10 and 10. Um, both teams had only 10 turnovers. Um, but the nice thing is that we had 10 points off of their turnovers versus five for them. Um, it's nice to see that number come back down because as we all remember on Sunday in that Ohio state game in the third quarter alone, we had 11 turnovers. So we had more turnovers in one quarter than we had the entire game tonight. So it's good to get them that cleaned up, especially with Michigan state 
um, and the press tonight. Now I get it. The Michigan state press is not quite as aggressive. I don't think as Ohio state uh, press, I don't think they execute it quite as well, but it feels like they, they corrected some things that we saw on Sunday and really valued that ball a little better. Um, I didn't think they got quite sped up as much tonight either as they felt on Sunday with that Ohio state press. So I think they definitely learned from that. Um, coach Morin talked about it in her pregame, um, preview, if you will, about how she really wanted them to slow down, um, you know, think about it more and, and take their time about what they were doing and not feel so rushed. Um, but like you, I still think that there were times where they could have uh, attacked the middle of the press a little bit more, but it didn't seem quite as egregious as it was on Sunday. So, so I think that we handled it a little better tonight. Yeah, and this is kind of one that's a, a, a oldie but a goodie, Kathy. Uh, 24 to 5, Michigan State in bench points. You know, again, we only got five points off our bench tonight. Now, I will say this, in defense of Lene and Jules and Lily especially, and even Hannah, and, 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 and Hannah, or Hannah with, who hit the three, you know, we kind of joked about a little bit earlier. I, I know there's not a ton of numbers here, but they know, none of them played more than five minutes tonight. But I really felt like that Jules and Lene gave us a little something tonight. Even Lily, I thought just, but again, Lily in a bad matchup that Lily's not right now, neither. And we said this about Mac, they're not really going to go out and guard on the arc very well, but I felt like Jules, and that's kind of what I was kind of, we were talking about in the, in the, in the discord and when you and I, in the text messaging, I, I get why she probably put Henna in, but yeah. I really would like to see Lene because I really felt like Lene was a little more offensive weapon even maybe a little more than Jules. But the one thing I like about Jules is Jules is willing to stick her nose in there and, and, and make a play. Mm -hmm. As you had in the pre in the notes, we didn't really talk about. She took a charge in right. like the second quarter, maybe it was the first quarter, but she's not afraid. And so, um, so, but yeah, 24 to five, the, and you saw that in the rotations, uh, the Michigan state, you could tell they were subbing way more often than we were. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely shortened our bench up quite a bit. You know, none of our bench played more than five minutes tonight. Sarah Scalia ended up playing the entire game at 40 minutes. Chloe Moore McNeil, 39 minutes, including even after she got that fourth foul, she ended up staying in there that whole time. Mackenzie and Yarden, both 35 minutes, and then Lexington played 33. So there were some heavy minutes played by our team tonight versus if you look at Michigan State um, of their starters, 30, uh, 38 for Dee Dee Hageman and Joyner, 37. Otherwise, they were all 31 or under. Um, so they definitely were able to spread it out. So I felt like they were a little bit more of a, a deep team in terms of what they could rely on. Now, they only played seven players versus we did play nine. It just felt like they got a lot more from those two where they could spread those minutes out. So um, definitely seemed like they were a little bit of a deeper team, and that showed up in that those um, bench points for sure with 24 bench points for them. Um, the other number we were talking about uh, going into this game is rebounding. So at the half, we were well behind in rebounding, 13 yeah. to 8. Um, but they really seemed to, they must have talked about it, I'm assuming, at halftime to really start, um, you know, especially on the defensive end. <laughs> and we ended up winning the rebounding battle, 19 to 24. Um, you know, we limited them in second chance points finally to 10. They had eight in the first half, so we only limited to one more bu second chance bucket after halftime. And so I felt like that was a good adjustment from the team, and it was really nice to see. And again, it's kind of back to, you know, we were talking about in the preview, how we seem to have that rebounding margin starting to shrink and shrink. And it worried me in the first half, but they definitely righted the ship in the rebounding area for us tonight in that second half. Yeah, and only gave up six offensive rebounds. Part of that also was the fact that Michigan State wasn't missing a lot of shots through the first yeah. three quarters, so there wasn't a whole lot of rebounds. <laughs> Nothing to rebound. There, seriously, there really wasn't, except, but like I said, at one point there, it was like 10 to 2, 10 to 3 in the first yeah. half, and it was a pretty lopsided. I don't have any other numbers, Kathy, unless you do, because I, I pointed out the ones, you hit the ones I had highlighted, so I'm I'm ready to move on to the game ball if you are. Sure. All right, so we're going to pull up the game ball here, and, and we're going to let Kathy go first here. But so far this year, we have Mackenzie Holmes with nine, Sarah Scalia with five, uh, Sydney Parrish and Yarden Garzon with three each, and Chloe Moore McNeil with one. And so we're going to let Kathy go first tonight on the game ball. <laughs> um, my goodness, I think there are a number of ways to go. And I'll be honest, I'm still trying to decide here in my brain. Um, so all five of our starters end up with, with double digit points. So Lexi and Chloe both had 10 points. And then you had Yarden, Sarah and McKenzie, both over all three of our 20 points. Um, but I think the impressive 
storyline for me and stat line, if we're going to look at stats as well, is the 10, 10, and 10. And, um, or excuse me, 10, 10, and 11, which is Chloe Moore McNeil's stat line, 10 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists. So she got a triple-double tonight. And I know she had some some trouble with some of the fouls, but I thought some of those were um, maybe some no calls that went against her. Um, but boy, to have a triple-double, and I, I would... I'm good throwing this out there. I have no facts to back me up, but I'm guessing this has got to be what her first triple double it of is. her career. Yeah. So I'm giving her my game ball because I think that's just an amazing feat to be able to do with that. Um, we hear it all the time or very rarely, um, you know, on the men's side. And just to see that, I thought that was great. And what we needed from Chloe tonight is what we got. We had some tough defense. Um, she gave us some points. But she really found, especially McKenzie down low, and she really did a great job of hitting those boards, which we haven't seen a whole lot from our guards this year. So for me, it was Chloe. Yeah, and I think she's only the second player. I think Grace had two, maybe three triple doubles in her career. So I think Chloe becomes only the second player ever with a triple double. I'm not 100% certain on that, and we'll try and check on that for the next podcast. Um, but yeah, it's definitely her first triple double. And and again, well, you, you, you can talk about Mac and her numbers, but I will say this. Um, and I'll come back to it. Well, I'll say it here too, but you know, Mac had the points, but Mac didn't rebound tonight. Mac only had three rebounds and and you're in your all American, none in the first half, your all American center has to find a way to get on the glass a little more than what she was doing. Now, again, Michigan state wasn't missing a lot of shots. That is so fair. I get that. But (laughs) when Chloe's able to grab 10 and, and Mac only has three, that you know that you know part of that so but again it's hard for me to go without to go away from the player who does something that's not done very very often in indiana women's history and that's chloe moore mcneil with the triple double so i'm with you kathy we'll make it unanimous and go with chloe awesome and that's going to make her second that's game correct. ball her second. her second game ball so let's move on now this one may get a little harder because we got a lot of number people that can be in consideration here for the grace burger hardest worker yeah um <laughs> that is, it is harder, right? I mean, I think you could look at um, Yarden if you want to talk about her fourth quarter performance. I, I didn't land on Yarden just again because I thought her first half was, it was, she kind of disappeared after she made that first three. Yes, she came alive when we needed her to, but like you said, can we maybe get a little more consistency from Yarden um, as we were joking around instead of fourth quarter Yarden, can we have her all four quarters instead? Um, I think Lexi is the one you could absolutely look at. Um, you know, I don't know if she's scored double digits before but if she has it's not been very often and she had six assists to go with it um and i thought she played some really nice really great defense as well um and then i think sarah scalia put up 21 points for us as well hit some really clutch free throws at the end but for me i finally settled on mckenzie with her 28 points um and for me i think she just kept battling down low and finding the right position uh and even after they started doubling her and even triple teaming her in the third quarter i think she worked really hard to finally get to those 28 points um and we really needed every one of those going against michigan state tonight so for me i, I finally landed on mckenzie but i probably wouldn't argue with any of the other um the other at least three of the other starters too and on some of this, you're splitting hairs, but you know, you notice like Sarah, Sarah, 21 points, two rebounds, two assists, and two steals. Um, like you said, Yarden played well, but I just felt like there was too much of the game where Yarden didn't really, it wasn't involved. In fact, she got to a certain degree, I don't think she had foul trouble. So, to a certain no. degree, she got benched in the first half because there was That's a long right. stretch there where she didn't. I play. went and checked, Jeff, because I thought maybe she had two fouls on her and they were trying to save her. No, she, she absolutely didn't. So, yeah. But she still played 35 minutes. So, you know, exactly. But, um, so I'm going to go with you. I, I think what puts it over for McKenzie here, not only the points, but McKenzie had four assists, three blocks, and two steals. So I'm right. gonna I'm gonna make it unanimous. We'll go with McKenzie Holmes here. And we forgot to give the uh, the read here for those of you who are watching live on the YouTube feed that uh, Sydney Parrish was is leading the way with five, and that'll give five now for Mac. Uh, Lexi Bargesser with four, Chloe Moore McNeil with two, uh, Sarah Scott. No, I'm sorry, Chloe with three, Sarah with two. Uh, along with Lene with two and Lily Meister one. So those are our game balls, or excuse me, hardest worker awards for tonight and for the season. So um, Kathy, anything else you want to add here before we move on from the hardest worker or the game ball? 
No, I don't think so. I, I, you know, I know there's a lot of people in the chat. There's votes all over the place for both Game Ball and Grace Burger, Hardest Worker. Um, so just want to take time to point out, I think you're all right. So <laughs> because it's, it's, it's hard. You had all five of our starters, I thought, played different roles in our, their game tonight. And I thought they played them all really well, especially down the stretch. And that makes this really hard, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. And again, that's part of it. You know, sometimes we, we encourage that as well. We want the workaholics to have a little bit of a difference of opinion yes. with us on some of this because it wouldn't be any fun if it was just everybody agreeing with us. So, uh, so Kathy, why don't you take us into Mac wash? Cause she's getting closer. Yeah. Yep. So McKenzie tonight had 28 points again, um, three rebounds and three block shots. So um, the biggest one that we've been really keeping an eye on are the, the points. And so to, to, Ty Tyra Bus now for first place, she needs 16 points. So 17 points to um, take the lead. So if she gets those 17 points, uh, she's been averaging just over 20 per game. That would be the next game, which is on Sunday against Purdue at home. So that'll be a very interesting thing to, to watch on Sunday in particular. That storyline, I am sure, is going to be something we'll hear about in the TV feed. Um, on the rebounding front, she is now up to 933. Um, she is um, in fifth place, and she needs 37 rebounds to go for fourth place. Her three blocks moves her to 240. She's still in second place at, and 29 rebounds, excuse me, 29 block shots behind. So she would really have to have quite a few more nights like tonight where she's getting three or four block shots to take over that first place. But um, definitely, I think that first place point total is something we'll see for sure eclipse. It's just now as a matter of when, not if. Yeah. And it certainly would be nice in a win on Sunday against Purdue. Yes, absolutely. What will be interesting is if she gets there, will they stop the game to, to, to note it right. or will it be more one of those things that they'll know they'll make it like an announcement after the game to, to yeah. honor her, you know, right. uh, again, we've talked about or this in a couple episodes. Coach takes the time out and yeah, you know, to, that to could honor be. her too, but it depends maybe too on how the game is going. I would guess this is Kathy's guess with coach Morin um, that, they don't, I don't think she stops the game. I would think it might be an after the game kind of moment, but that's, that's how I'm kind of thinking about it, but we'll see. Yeah. So, but like I said, we talked about this a few episodes ago about different ways you might do it in a high school game, but that's entirely different from a division one, big 10 power five game. Right. So I'll, yeah. I'll really be interested to see how, how they do it. Um, with that so speaking of which our upcoming opponent is sunday at home against purdue uh february the 11th two o'clock eastern one central get this in before you watch the super bowl all right and unfortunately it's on big 10 plus so you're gonna have it's gonna be more on the <laughs> subscriber side again here so but i i think this may be one of the last games we have on big 10 plus um at, from that standpoint so. but purdue just yeah, got to win there night. It is. okay this is purdue. the last one on big 10 plus Purdue just got a win there tonight. and broke a seven-game losing streak. So they're currently number 78 in the net. They lead the all-time series 53-41. But IU now 22-21 and 21 against Purdue at home um, in a Simon Scott Assembly Hall. We won the last meeting back in January in West Lafayette, 74-68. We've won 10 in a row in the series, 14 of the last 15. Uh, Purdue comes in. They'll be 10-12 and 12 overall, 3-8 and eight in the league. They're offensively, they're averaging just over 68 a game, which is 11th in the league. They're giving up 69, which is 10th. Their field goal percentages, they're really struggling. They're, they're shooting 42% from the field, which is 12th. They're giving up 42%, which is 11th in the league. Their three-point field goal percentage is 33%, which is 10th. They give up 35% beyond the arc, which is 13th, next to last in the league. Uh, the one area where they're good is free throws. They're 78%. They're third in the league. They're 12th in rebound margin, and they're 11th in turnover margin. So – a lot of so for when you look at the stats, and I'm not saying to take them lightly because it's a rivalry game, but you can understand why they're struggling toward the bottom part of the league at three and eight. Kathy, why don't you take us through some of the personnel? Yeah, absolutely. So Katie Geralds is their head coach. This is her third season at Purdue. She is a, a alumni and former player for Purdue as well. But so far in her tenure at Purdue, she's 46 and 38 um, overall and 19 and 27 in the Big Ten. Um, in terms of coaching in general, this is her 11th season overall with a 75% win record. Um, so there's a few players that you want to keep an eye on in terms of Purdue individuals. So Abby Ellis is a 5'6", fifth-year senior guard. 
Um, she's averaging 13 and a half points in the um, points per game with the 18th in the league. She has just under four rebounds per game. She shoots 41% from the field. Um, she's a very good free throw shooter, 84%, which is eighth in the, the league. And she's really good at stealing the ball too at one and a half steals per game, which is 15th in the league. Um, then Caitlin Harper is a six, three, um, gra graduate guard. She is averaging 11 points per game, four rebounds. She shoots 54% field goal and 31% from three. Um, next is Madison Layden, who's a six, one senior guard. She is averaging right at 10 points per game, three rebounds per game. Um, and then her three point shooting is first in the league at 44% in terms of percentage. So got to watch her shooting the three again, um, on, on Sunday. Then last is Janae Terry. She's a 5'11 fifth year senior guard. Um, she averages five and a half points per game, but she rebounds at seven rebounds per game, which is 10th in the league. Um, she's also a really great at sharing the ball. So you got to watch her in terms of her passing. She has six assists per game, which is second in the league. And she also has 1.6 steals per game, which is 11th in the league. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about some of the her hoop stuff or do you want to cover that? Just no, but I'll let you go with the her hoop stuff. But I just want to mention that Caitlin Harper in the game at Purdue really gave us some fits. 18 points, six rebounds, two assists from the from the six three graduate guard. Uh and and talk about Janae Terry. She doesn't score, like you said, like you mentioned in the stats, five and a half a game, but she only had four points, but she had eight rebounds, six assists, and two steals in that game at Mackey. So don't just think it's about scoring. This is a young woman that again, a fifth-year senior that hasn't beaten Indiana, and that's the other thing now that i'm sure katie gerald's is talking with her players about you know this we're purdue this is not supposed to be going this way where we're losing 10 in a row 14 out 15 to indiana yeah. well, we all love it but we all grew up it was a completely opposite of that in the in the rivalry and which is great to see for us as iu fans but you know darn well she's talking to those seniors about this may be your last chance to get a win against indiana so don't underestimate them they may not have they may not be playing great but it's a rivalry game, and it's even right. though it's in Assembly Hall. So, you know, just don't overlook them just because of their record. Yeah. What is the saying in a rivalry game? All records are off. Yep. So don't absolutely. It's it's Purdue weekend, and it doesn't really matter. Um, so hopefully our crowd shows up. They shows out. They show out really loudly and really get behind the team and help push across. I think that was, you know, we should uh, give an honorable shout out to real quick, go back to tonight's game. You know, we had uh, over 8,500 people again at the crowd tonight and boy, they got loud in that fourth quarter, especially. And I think that really helped propelled our women here to a, a win. So hopefully we'll see that in Sunday as well. Um, so from the Her Hoop Stats website, um, Indiana, according to them, has an 80% chance of winning, and they predict predict that at 80 to 69. Um, so the um, Her Hoop Stats rating has IU at eighth overall and Purdue at 82nd in terms of office efficiency. Office, yep. Offensive efficiency. efficiency. <laughs> IU is 11th and Purdue is 123rd. On the defensive side, IU is 81st and Purdue is 268th. Effective field goal percentage for IU is 58.2%, which is second, and 47.1% for Purdue, which is 124th. Um, points per um, possession, IU is third in the nation at right around one, and Purdue is 105th at 0.8 points per possession. Um, I, I use rebounding rate is 67th and Purdue is 198th. Assist rate, IU 41st and Purdue is 46th. So um, Purdue is pretty good at sharing the ball um, when they can make it, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> um, well, but again, you know, like you said, Jeff, like, you know, you can take all these stats, you can take the record, you can just throw them all out the window. Um, they need to bring it and not overlook this Purdue game at all going in into Sunday. And, and let's be honest, some of those efficiency numbers offensively are going to go up after tonight and the defensive efficiency is going to go down. <laughs> right. So those, not won't be huge right. changes, but, but, but yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that, you know, for all the things that we've talked about, and again, we've only lost three games. That's the thing. A lot of people are acting like there are times when we, when we lose, like we've lost like three or four in a row, we've lost three games all year and they've all been on the road and they've all been mm -hmm. the teams that right now are basically top six in the country. Okay. 
yeah, or, top, or top six, I think, because yeah. Iowa's two, Ohio State's five, and I think Stanford was six in the latest poll. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, so, but this is a pretty good offense. It may not be the one thing that we've talked about, Kathy, throughout this season, and we've, Terry Morin has said it. It just may not be the same defensive gritty team that we're used to. But yeah. I'm not saying you're going to win every game 9-4-9-1, but this is a team that's going to have to put some points. Excuse me. Have to put some points on the board. I'm not sure you're going to see. When you go back to the Alley Patberg and the car that first year we kind of did the show with Lex and 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 Nicole and 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 Alley and and Grace. That team could win games 58-55, 55-53, something like. But this team, I'm not sure. I think they've got to be a little more free flow. Which when they are, they're really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that definitely if we compared our numbers defensively this year to last year, it's not quite as locked in uh, as we did last year. But I think on the offensive side, um, I think we're putting up some really great numbers. I mean, shoot, we just put up 94 again tonight against a very good, formidable Michigan State team. So, you know, and that was not in overtime. (laughs) So, um, you know, just some high level offense that we saw tonight in general. It was kind of a, a fun game to watch, actually. Heart, so, heart, heart uh, pounding, but fun. <laughs> so let's go uh, real quick. There was a big game in the Big Ten on Tuesday night. Uh, after getting beat by Rutgers over the weekend, Nebraska bounced back and beat Michigan and Ann Arbor 65-59. So Michigan also really still kind of a conundrum in the league, really trying to figure out where they are. Right now, Penn State and Iowa are in the second quarter. Iowa's up 48-41 to with a minute 40 to go in the game there. Um uh, appreciate the nice words, Eagle Eye. Uh, I really, we really do uh, from that standpoint. And Ohio State is at Minneapolis tonight playing Minnesota. They were up earlier in the second quarter. Um, so, but again, Minnesota struggling. 29 24 at half. They're okay. So, five at half. Yep. so, without more LeBron, Minnesota's really struggling without their best player, but they right now they're locking in and playing. They're so, as of, yeah. So, as of tonight, uh, actually, um, Ohio State and Iowa still pacing the conference at 10 and 1. IU is a half game behind at 10 and 2. Penn State's next at in fourth at 7 and 4. Michigan State's falling to 7 and 5 along with Nebraska, and Michigan is at 6 and 6. So that's kind of that top half of the league. Remember, the top four teams get the double bye in the Big Ten tournament. So not only do we want to stay in the race for winning the Big Ten, we just want to, make, we do definitely want to make sure. And that's why tonight, to me, Kathy, I really want to kind of get, we didn't want to get, I didn't bring this up, was huge because had we lost to Michigan State, now you fell back to three wins. Michigan State would have improved to eight and four in the league. Penn State would have been kind of hanging around in there. So now you start to get talking about, well, can we hold on to a top four seed? You know, because maybe right now three losses. And we talked about this in the pre preseason show. I don't think three losses get you get you the Big Ten title, especially with where we're at now in the league. No. Um, so, but that win tonight kind of spaces Indiana out. The top three kind of continue, especially, but you know, if Penn State can win here in Iowa tonight, um, that's going to, you know, that'll jumble up some things. But right now, uh, the top three with 10 wins each in the conference, and 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 if Penn State loses, they'll fall back to seven and five as well. Right. So you'll really get even more space between those top three and the rest of the league. Your thoughts on kind of the Big Ten in general? Yeah, I, you know, we, I don't know if you mentioned the Sunday matchups, but, you know, there's a couple of big no. games going on right now with Iowa and Ohio State playing right now, but they both play again again um, on Sunday, both on the road. Um, so Iowa is going into Nebraska and playing on the road there. And you, you, I'm just not sure what to make of Nebraska anymore. So um, I think that is an interesting one to, to keep an eye on for sure. But the other one, Ohio State and Michigan State. So the two teams we just played against, you know, lost to one at Ohio State. Now Ohio State's going to go up to Michigan State. And I would guess Michigan State is going to get some payback for that five-point loss they experienced in Columbus. Um, So I guess now we can be Spartan fans and we'll be Cornhusker fans on Sunday as well because we definitely need Iowa and Ohio State both to kind of stumble on one of these games coming down the stretch and we need to, you know, hold serve if you will, for the rest of the year to be able to have a chance at that, that um, conference title. So we're running out of games for sure. Um, but we're doing our, our part here, beating Michigan state tonight. Um, but after tonight, we only have six more big, big 10 yep. games in the conference regular season. So, you know, we don't have any, any luxury here to, to look ahead. So we got to take care of business at home against Purdue on Sunday. Totally. I agree. Great way of phrasing it, Kathy. So uh, you got any other things you want to include for final thoughts here? 
No, no, it kind of felt like my final thoughts. Didn't okay. it? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to follow it up here with just, just a huge win. Uh, a couple yeah. other, my friends I was texting with as well as with you and Ari and, and, and our group chat that, you know, just, I'm not sure I can really remember what felt like such a, a big, as big a win for a while. I mean, just, you know, the fact that, you know, we were behind a team that was playing really well in our gym, but still they were hitting shot after shot after shot. And to be able to make that comeback and to get out of there with the W and give yourself to keep yourself in the race. I just can't really think of a bigger win, at least this year. And especially going back even into last year, you maybe have to go back to the Iowa game in assembly hall where you felt like it was such, you know, as big a win as you had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was, again, you know, I, I, Hopefully no one was too terribly surprised about how close this game was, um, but it was definitely a rock fight. And our our women, again, they pulled together when we needed them to. I know I've said that a couple times in the show, and I'll say it again. You know, we got from them what we needed to get from them at the right moments. They played their roles, and they did what we needed them to do. And to me, that shows a very experienced, well-coached program um, that we've really come under Coach Morin to expect at this point. Yeah, I agree. Okay, coming up in our upcoming schedule, and we'll be back on Sunday, as we mentioned earlier, after the Purdue game. That tip time is 2 Eastern, 1 Central, so we should be on around 4 Eastern, 3 Central, and get you ready for, you know, watch, you know, come watch us. Don't watch the Super Bowl pregame show. We'll, we'll be way no. better and won't be, and won't be near as repetitive and 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 such. So, uh, but, uh, so again, that's uh, on Sunday, February the 11th. Assembly call will be on Saturday night after the Purdue game. And I did not put that time down, but I just know it's Saturday night. Uh, so that, that, uh, that will be on after the pregame. Eight, 8 Central, 7 Central. Yeah, so eight, it'll be a little eight Eastern, seven Central. Yeah. So it'll be a little bit later start for somebody call. They do have one tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be on live, but Coach Tonsoni is actually going to be doing a kind of a preview show with somebody from the Purdue side that to kind of preview the game. So keep an eye out for that either on YouTube or wherever you get your um your uh, podcast feed from as well. If you want to see this, do the show live and be a part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at back home network. That's the at sign youtube.com slash at back home network. You can be a part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Designs for designing our logos. Also a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you've heard throughout the broadcast. I want to thank all of you, those of you who listen to us on your favorite podcast feed, or for all of you who are with us tonight in the Workaholics. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk with you, how you hoops again with you on Sunday. Until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. And we're out of here. Yeah. Can you believe it? Only six more games, right? I did the math right. Yeah. Six well, we more. know there's we know there's at least and take that out. We know there's a minimum of eight. You're gonna play at least one in the Big Ten tournament Fair. and one in the NCAA six tournament. more regular yeah. season games. Yeah, six yes. more. I know a season's fine. I was like Kim and I were talking about that a little bit today. For those of you still listening, my, my wife Kim and I were talking a little bit about just feels like, you know, because the way the weather's been for the most part, outside of that one week where we had the snow and the bitter cold. It, it's been fairly warm. So it's feeling like, I mean, it was like 55 here in Rensselaer today. So the weather has made it feel like a lot, you know, February is just flying. Yeah. Here too. So that's good. And, and two weeks from today, Sean and I are going to be in Cancun. So I know everyone's going to feel sorry for us. <laughs> so. So. The only, the only downside is that we will miss the Iowa game because we, we leave that day. So, but that's all right. Yeah. So, Hey, we're going to get out of here, everybody. Cause we got work tomorrow and appreciate everybody being here. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Thanks everyone. Night.